Today's reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the, one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It is worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Today we have our fourth and final in the series, Wonder Women. We've been looking at some significant women throughout Scripture and how their role interacted with the unfolding of God's uh, work within the world. And up to this point, we have uh, talked about women in the Old Testament. Hannah, uh, Queen Esther, last week Sarah. In that time, the days of the Old Testament, and the time of, of those three women that we looked at, the culture was much more uh, receptive to women being in, for example, positions of leadership and of some significance. Uh, you think of like Deborah, who served as one of the judges, not like Judge Judy, uh, but one of the leaders within Israel. Um, or you think about Abraham and Sarah and how Sarah was such a part of the of that promise and such a part of that story. And uh, you think of, of Queen Esther and the role that she played within the salvation of the, of the Jewish people. And so they, they had this roles in leadership, uh, as confidants. They could learn as well right alongside the men from the Torah and the scriptures. But by the time that we come to the, the first century A.D., the role of women within that society, within that culture, had diminished drastically. However, as we read the Gospels, as we see the stories of Jesus, we see that that isn't reflected in who Jesus is or in what Jesus is doing. Jesus is continually interacting with women. He has several women who are there as followers, learning right alongside of the disciples. He even converses, theological conversations in public with women, which men and women were, were separated and they weren't to talk to one another in public. We have the, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, who Jesus sees, and it says midday, middle of the day, the, the 
bright sun shining down on them. And here Jesus is interacting with this, not only a woman, but a Samaritan woman who the Jewish people were not to interact with in public and talking about the things of God, talking, having this deep theological conversation. Jesus kind of went against the grain as far as what was going on within the culture at that time. Treating women as equals that they were created by God to be. Today in our gospel lesson, we have a story of Jesus' interaction with Mary. Now, which Mary is this? There's a lot of Marys in the New Testament. You, maybe you get confused, like which Mary is, is which. Of course, we have Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene. This is Mary. There are other Marys, uh, but there, this is the Mary that was the sister to Martha and to Lazarus. So a lot of times, or whenever we hear about Mary, this Mary... She's right there with, usually with her sister Martha and sometimes with her brother Lazarus. The Bible talks, uh, tells about how they're friends of Jesus, good friends of Jesus. And so it was not uncommon, I'm sure, for Jesus to be there in the home of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, having a meal together. Maybe you remember uh, this scene. When Jesus is in their home, they're having a dinner, and Martha is busily preparing the meal. And where's Mary? She's not there along with her sister helping to, to serve and to prepare the meal, showing the hospitality that you would for a guest. Rather, she is at the feet of Jesus. And that's significant because that was a position of learning. That was where a disciple would be to, to learn and to grow from the teachings of the rabbi. And so here is Mary in this position of one of the disciples. Unheard of at that time. Martha, however, is busily preparing things and getting more and more upset. Now, you don't need to raise your hand, but if anybody's been there, you can just smile, nod, and elbow the person next to you, right? You're preparing this meal. You got company coming over. You got all of this food to get ready. And you look out in the living room, and one of your beloved family members is perhaps watching a sporting event on the television. Anybody been there? Just smile and nod. A lot of the ladies smiling and nodding. Hmm. It's a lot of work, right? When you have company over and they're getting ready for that and then preparing the meal and serving that. In that culture, that would have been the proper thing for Martha to be doing. And so she's, she's not asking something that's out of the question. And she says to Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that my sister is not helping me? Tell her to help me prepare this meal. And there's Mary at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't say, Mary, you better get up and help your sister. He uses this as a teaching opportunity. 
Martha, Martha, you're worried about a great number of things. But only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the better one. She will not go unrewarded. Mary was at the foot of Jesus, learning from her teacher. In the lesson that was read today, we have another scene at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus around a table, around the dinner table. Again, we see Martha is preparing the meal. She is the image of service. And then John, the writer of the Gospel of John, notes that Lazarus was, it says, reclining at the table with Jesus. He's not like, you know, just chilling out, like in a reclining chair, falling asleep, like, you know, Uncle Tom or something after the Thanksgiving meal. Uh, he, was, he was there, what, reclining at the table with him, that would have signified being a part of that conversation, engaging with Jesus, having this meal together, breaking bread with him and with the others that were there. You think, oh, okay, well, it's his home, of course he is. This is significant. This is chapter 12 of the Gospel of John. In chapter 11, just before we have this scene, we have the scene where Lazarus has grown ill to the point of death. And Mary and Martha send for their friend Jesus to come. And Jesus delays in coming. By the time he has arrived, Lazarus has died. Martha comes up to him and, and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But now I believe that, that you can do anything. Jesus declares to her, asks her, do you believe that, that I can? Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah. You are the one. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And Jesus then goes to the tomb, calls out to his friend Lazarus, who's been buried down there now four days. Lazarus, come out. The dead man rises walks out of the tomb. This is perhaps the most significant event in the ministry and the life of Jesus save his own crucifixion and resurrection. Because at the raising of Lazarus, the Bible says many came to believe. And still others sought him. To arrest him. To kill him. At this point, this is a turning point in the life and the ministry of Jesus. And it leads directly into uh, the time of his passion, suffering, crucifixion, death, and resurrection. So here's Lazarus sitting at the table. Must have, you know, put some cologne on and cleaned up a little bit, I'm sure. And there he is at the table eating this meal with them. That's significant because Lazarus 
is the image new life that Jesus brings. Martha, the image of service. Uh, Lazarus, the image of new life. And then we have Mary. Mary comes in. She kneels down at the feet of Jesus. And she takes a jar, it says, a pint of this nard, this expensive perfume. And she begins to pour that out on Jesus' feet. And then she begins to wipe that perfume on Jesus' feet with her hair. Mary is the image of devotion. And I want to, with the time that we have left, to talk about two things that we can kind of see from this, this act of great love and devotion that Mary showed. The first is that the wonder of devotion is shown in extravagant ways. It says that this was expensive perfume. And in fact, we learn uh, from Judas that it was valued at about a year's wages. A year's wages for some perfume, liquid. I'm not much of a perfume guy, but still, I mean, that's a lot. And I wonder, why did, why did Mary have this? Why did Mary have a perfume that was so expensive? Perhaps she got it when Lazarus died to anoint his body. Or perhaps she was saving it for herself or for her sister. Maybe this was a form of savings. They didn't have access to banks. So the way that people saved or accumulated wealth would have been to accumulate by things, property, uh, uh, livestock, or expensive things like this perfume. Maybe this was a retirement plan. Can you imagine emptying your 401k in order to pour out some perfume on somebody's feet? I mean, it's, it's, it's unheard of. But such was Mary's devotion to Jesus and love for him. Whatever the original purpose for that, that container of this expensive perfume, she used it in this manner, to declare her love and her devotion to Jesus. And Jesus declared that this was intended for his burial. And so he is foreshadowing what is about to come. Mary used what was probably the most economically valuable thing that she had in her possession to show her devotion to Jesus. She didn't hold back. She poured it out in love for Jesus. And the interesting thing is the juxtaposition of Mary and then Judas who says, why wasn't this sold and the money given to the poor? That's a noble thing, right? Why, why wasn't this, this used 
in a more helpful way to others? A great question. But we learn from the writer of John that Judas didn't have any care or love for the poor, but he was just concerned about himself because he used to keep uh, the, the money from what the disciples would gather together and take some for himself. As compared to the stinginess of, of Judas, we have the extravagant love of Mary. What had God done in Mary's life? What had, what had God done in Mary's life that she would do this? That she would be at this point of, of this wonderful act of devotion? What has God done in your life? How has God blessed you? Have you ever found yourself at that point where you're... You pour yourself out gladly and willingly in love for someone else. Maybe through an act of, of love. Maybe through giving yourself to someone else. How could an act of love bring goodness in the world. <laughs> the second thing that I want to share with you today is that the wonder of devotion supersedes social norms. What, what uh, Mary did uh, was against social norms. As I mentioned at the beginning of the message, the women in that day, the, the role of women in that day had diminished from what it had been in the Old Testament and those stories that we heard. It had diminished to the point where women were not uh, learners of God's word, where they wouldn't interact with others, uh, with men in public. <clears throat> and yet, we see that Jesus not only interacts with them, but teaches them and has them as followers and shows them God-given respect. Mary's act of devotion to pour out this, this perfume on Jesus' feet and then the intimacy of wiping that with her hair, that would have gone way against social norms. But she didn't care. Chanel Hill is a social worker and an advocate for young women in Chicago. While, uh, while developing her career uh, and growing in her leadership, Chanel was helping others, but Privately, secretly, she was dealing with issues of her own. Depression, um, rejection, feelings of inadequacy. And here she was trying to help others 
these other young women and, and youth within uh, the, her area of work. However, through the help of others, through therapy, through and through her faith, Chanel overcame. And now she goes around sharing with others. And she helps other young women in particular around the country. And she talks about these things that she dealt with, things that are often left unheard, unsaid, unspoken. And through that is bringing help and healing and hope to others. She's written a curriculum and speaks throughout the country. She has uh, started an online platform for young women to dialogue about current issues and the things that they are dealing with. Chanel is devoted to God. She is a person of faith, and she is doing what she was created by God to do through advocacy, mentorship, and empowering those that she serves. Who knows what can happen when we pour ourselves out in devotion to God and for others. And she's pouring herself out not just through the gifts that God has given her, not just through her speaking ability, not just through uh, her heart for others, but she's also pouring out her own experiences. She's pouring out of herself from that place of having gone through some very painful and difficult challenges but having overcome. And through that, she's bringing hope and peace to other young people. Jesus poured out himself for us. He poured out his love and his wisdom. He taught and he healed. And at the cross, he poured out his very lifeblood so that you and I could live, so that we could be freed from those things that take us away from God, that turn us away from God, that break us down, that we could be freed from that and that we could have life in his name. Ultimately, devotion is about love. Devotion is an expression of love. And what higher calling do we have than to love? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, we give you thanks for pouring yourself out to us through your son Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your love, with your spirit, so that we, in turn, may continue to pour ourselves out for others. We pray this in your name. Amen.